0: Hello, and welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. This show features conversations between diverse technology professionals discussing women in the industry, cutting-edge innovations, the future of work, deeply technical topics, and the ways that we can all work together to make the world a more inclusive place. We hope you enjoy, and if you do, please subscribe, rate, and comment.
1: So it's been a really fun journey. We've talked about some of the big moments that have come out of it, like Uh, our first conference, that first kind of world tour. Uh, we didn't call it that then, but I remember it fondly as a world tour. Um, what about ringing the bell at the New York Stock Exchange? So we did that twice. Uh, talk about that. What was that like when you got the message saying, Hey, you can come do this and, and that whole experience.
2: So I'll admit, um, I'm ambitious ringing the bell at the New York Stock Exchange. Um, it was already a a lifelong uh, dream. And so to have that opportunity was just incredible. And I personally had one of my really pivotal moments uh, when we are, were on the, the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. So we had just gotten to ring the bell and, you know, we're, there on the ground, taking photos, high-fiving, giving each other hugs. And I kind of look around and as we're taking photos, oh, you know, should, should we take a professional photo? And one of our board members at the time, uh, Lisa Calhoun said to me, Elena, you are changing the face of leadership, be yourself. And that those words have stuck with me. And um, I, li- I live that now. That's amazing.
1: Um, I also have to tell you a little secret. So uh, the second time we ran, the, rang the bell, um, well, you know, this cause you gave me this big surprise, but, uh, one of the things that, that I was so completely shocked by, uh, was when you said to me, you know, I, I did it last time. I've already pushed the button. Why don't you ring it this time? And I thought that was really cool. And I think that, um, That notion of shared leadership and sharing opportunities is something that that our community lives. Uh, But a lot of times when you're in a place where there's this sort of big moment, um, people forget to make space. But I definitely appreciated that. And it was really fun and something I didn't expect. I was over the moon just to even be on the floor, (laughs) let alone actually pushing the button. So that was a pretty cool thing that we got to do with Women Who Code. And I hope all the people that were standing up there with us, I think I shared that push um, with Erica. Uh, I think we both pushed the bell. Um, So pushing the, pushing the bell is really cool, but
2: I hope that other people look back and and, um, feel really proud of that moment. Yeah, and I shared my push with uh, Zazman montez who's a fellow co-founder of Women Who Code. And yeah, so um, making space doesn't take away um, from, from your leadership, from your experience, it adds to it because you're on it together. Um speaking of
1: leadership, uh, so we are in, we are women in this these positions of leadership. And I would love to talk a little bit about uh what it's like running an organization um as women while our lives are still happening um, outside of this, you know, this day-to-day space. Uh, we still have families to care for and, and other things going on. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit um about what what that's been like for you how it's changed over time as your family has changed and and your kind of responsibilities outside of women who code has changed um and and how do you tell that story you know when you're when you're talking to others and they ask what is it like to be a woman in leadership which we yeah. always get asked
2: yeah so i um i struggled with it uh, in the early days of women who code um you know i would say to myself you know your goal isn't to become a software engineer how can you lead a company that is focused on the technology to leadership path and so i had all of this um imposter syndrome for myself and struggled to say that i'm the ceo so i forced myself to do it every time i got on a stage i forced myself to say hi i'm elena percival ceo of women who code and it was incredibly uncomfortable until one time the audience, as soon as I said it, like erupted and clapping. And, you know, it wasn't the end of my talk, you know, when you might expect someone. And so I said, oh, you know, maybe they they're okay with me being up here. And I also had to tell myself, um, you know, if you're willing to take a step forward, we're bringing all these people, this mission, all of this all of these things that are incredibly important forward with me. And if I don't do that, I'm holding myself and everyone else back. And it was absolutely true. The minute I was willing to take that step myself, everyone else was able to take the step as well.
1: Yeah. I, I remember having a lot of walking meetings and talking, unpacking imposter syndrome, not only for that, uh, but I think that that just happens, right? We, we, we have all of these um, ideas about what we're doing and um, if they're okay and and what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to admit, even just last month, uh, my wife actually called me out for this. Thank you to my wife if she hears this recording. Uh, called me out because I was sitting at the table with a software engineer and we were just meeting for the first time. He's kind of like loosely related like through, through her family uh, to me. Um, and so uh, he introduced himself as a software engineer and I said something like, I'm um, a product manager, not meaning that that was my title, but that that's what I did. And it was, it was just a not about not owning that kind of executive space. And um, I think imposter syndrome creeps in, in all kinds of ways. And she later asked me, why did you do that? Why didn't you just say who you are? Mm -hmm. And I kind of said, I just didn't have the energy for it. And I think that's something that happens, um, for women in leadership and, and maybe for other genders also. Um, but sometimes you just don't have the energy to carry your confidence forward. Um, and and that's reality. Uh, but I think on a, on a day-to-day basis, I think, um, Leading this organization has been one of the greatest honors of my life, and the people that I've met along the way, and the teams that have have come together around this movement, um, have taught me so much about what it takes to lead and organize and coordinate, um, and step back and make space for in terms of getting work done. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you uh, in your in your personal life would have done differently if you weren't busy? Um, co-founding and building an organization?
2: Oh, um, I, I think one of the, the benefits of being part of Women Who Code and, you know, you and I getting to help make decisions around um, the way things are in, inside the organization. I mean, certainly any time you choose something, you're choosing not to do many other things, but we've also had the opportunity and have the opportunity at this company to really support um, other aspects of our lives in the organization. And, um, you know, we've had uh, a culture of um, being able to be remote. Um, I know uh, I am deeply passionate about our, Uh, full international community and not being, you know, either Bay Area or uh, US centric with with our community. And, you know, that's, that's part of my core values as well. And having a a global perspective, and I know that you're, you're bringing that, um, that as well, I would say, if I wasn't doing women who code all of the other ideas that I come up with, or find myself spending time on, they're mission driven. They're often uh, inclusion focused, um, diverse, supporting diverse women. Um, all of these are, you know, part of uh, the path and the career and the steps that I've taken and, and really chosen in um, many of, of, you know, the opportunities that I've had in my career.
1: Um, one thing that I think is. Really fun uh, for both of us is that uh, we both were pregnant at different Connect conferences, Uh, and one of the things you talked about that remote culture. I I think intentionally building culture has been so important in making this um, organization what it is. Uh, One of the things I realized early on is that uh, when in in becoming a a mom is that um, often I, I keep hear heard all the statistics right that mothers often um, don't have the, the support and space they need at um, a workplace. And that could be true of any parent. Um, and we hear that a lot about, about moms. And one of the things I made a commitment to was uh, it is that my daughter's first, right. Full, full stop. Um, and I know, Elena, you know, a lot of my journey, she, she was seven years in the making, right. So uh, it's, it's a sheer miracle that she's even on this earth. Um, I definitely am not putting her second to anything. Um, and so as much as I love my career and love my job and love this organization, she, ha- she has to come first. And um, one of the things I realized early on is I could set the tone, uh, which is pretty cool. It, it, that's a cr- pretty cool place to be. So, you know, if, if she runs in, in fact, if she runs in, in this interview, you all will meet her. Like she gets to say hello. And I wasn't sure how that would be received by the world Um, in this organization. It's been received really well. And I think people have appreciated it um, or at minimum tolerated it, but I think most people have appreciated it. Uh, But the first time I was on a call with a partner um, where I really saw that come into action through this new parenting lens was that um, this woman, she was a partner at a big company. So presumably this company supports women that have great parental leave, that great um, parental benefits. Uh, She's sitting there and, and her kids are just like screaming in the other room. They really needed her. And she, she just kept apologizing and, and I actually stopped the meeting and I was like, you know, it's okay. Like I'm a mom too. Just whatever you need. If you need to take a pause, if we need to reschedule this, if you want them to come sit on your lap, whatever. And she said, she she paused and someone else said, thank you for saying that because she was also a mom struggling, but she was on mute and we couldn't hear her kids. And so um, it's really amazing watching how if when you're in a position of leadership, if you can just be human and bring yourself forward, other people will follow and they really appreciate it. And I think for me, that's been one of the, the biggest learning moments in being a leader of this organization is that you can redefine leadership and you don't have to do it the way you've always seen it. You, you can actually just do things differently.
2: Yeah. I think that's um, great to point out is, you know, we are in this time of of mass disruption and we shouldn't build it back the same. We should build it back uh, to be more inclusive, to be more human, to, to you know, better respect our our lives and um, recognize that we are whole humans. And I love that you took that um, opportunity and that leadership um, to make that that change. And I hope that gets carried into that company. Um, but I know that one of the things that's very important for us in the organization is to to live leadership. And leadership doesn't come with your title doesn't come with my title. Um, everyone has the opportunity to, to live leadership, to, um, to lead by example. And that's, that's one of women who codes core values. And I, I think what you're talking about there in that instance actually really speaks to that value.
1: Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, one of the programs, so you're describing living leadership. Uh, so one of the programs that was really excited, exciting to work on with Women Who Code was building a leadership model for technologists. And um, that program has been evolving probably from day one. Um, I know when I joined, you talked a lot about uh, how you would see volunteers um not only becoming leaders in this community, but leaders in the industry. And then fast forward a couple of years later, we put together this um, kind of scratch uh, back of the napkin design of a leadership model and actually have a photo of it on a whiteboard mapped out. Uh, I know that, you know, I love my whiteboards. Anybody that's ever worked with me in person knows how much I love thinking in marker. I think it just activates a different part of your brain. Um, But I have a photo of the whiteboard where we were like, if if everyone in technology had this kind of mindset, the world, the the industry would be better. The world would be better and fill in the blank with this. Right. So we had everything mapped out on this whiteboard of all these different perspectives and angles and and things. And um, with the help of Natasha Hendrick out of um, one of our current advisors, uh, then volunteers, um, really formulated a technology um, leadership model. And so that was really exciting to be part of. We debuted that in Berlin. Gosh, has it been, has it been five years? That doesn't sound right. Four years? Something like that. Anyway, um, I feel like I feel like in COVID time has just like frozen. I don't know how many years it's been since before twenty twenty. Anyway, it was before that uh, we debuted in person, and it's been really interesting watching that evolve. Uh, And it's exactly what you said, right? You can lead from where you are. You can lead from every level, uh, and you can practice leadership every day, uh, which is the only way to really. become a leader and be a leader. You don't have, you don't have to become a leader. You can lead right now right where you are uh, and practice that leadership. It's kind of like yoga. If you practice it you get good at it. If leadership is like that. You don't check off a box and say you're a leader. You have to actually practice it. Um and so there've been all these great moments that have gotten us to this point in these last 10 years. Um we haven't talked at all about the last 2 years, right? Since covid hit we've had to completely transition everything. What's what's that been like from your perspective?
2: Yeah. So Women Who Code uh, in January of uh, 2020 was an organization that did 2,000 in-person events per year. And, um, you know, the beginning of March that came to uh, a dramatic halt. But um we very quickly were able to completely digitize our our programming. And we'd been testing out for uh, about a year, a little over a year uh, introducing digital content. And so we we had that that small test, that small foundation, um, but we were able to just com, completely pivot and like you know hands up to to the team for and and the volunteers going through that full transition um retraining volunteers to be um you know in-person event experts to uh, digital event experts and the amazing kind of outcomes that have come from that is you know we're Producing the same number of uh, digital technical events that we were previously in person, but now you don't have to be available in in New York City or or Berlin or London or um, Bangalore. You know, during that specific time period, you can join in from anywhere around the world. And because it's digital, we're recording these events and then putting them onto our on-demand uh, database on Women Who Code's YouTube channel. So now, you know, even if you weren't available in that moment, you're still able to go back and um, and access these incredible resources for the Women Who Code community. And you know, what we saw is just even in the first half of the year that we had had um, over a year of life. Of learning moments for the Women Who Code community because we had, you know, just this is the first six months of 2021. We had well over 100,000 participants, and um, all of those participants were 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 cumulatively, um, you know, participating for over an entire year's worth of of time. And so, when we say we're the largest and most active, um, we we are incredibly active. We have an incredibly active community and that just speaks to the need that's out there and the thirst for knowledge and the need for continuous learning and, um, you know, the, um, the need for, for community as, as you participate in that. Yeah. And
1: it's been amazing staying connected virtually through this whole time. And again, it just takes me back to our community because I remember having these uh, quick like community check-ins when things started closing and saying, well, well what, do, what do you want? What How are we going to move forward? And there was this resounding, we want to be connected. And, and there were for sure people that said, and also, I'm now leading Zoom school at home, and I'm now, you know, we're working remotely, and I'm figuring out my home office, and I need a pause, and that was okay too. Um, but we had this resounding, "I want to stay connected," and I, it's been really just amazing to watch the team and the community pull together uh, in over this this last kind of 18 months or so. Um, so now we're at today. Uh, what about looking forward? What do you see for the future of Women Who Code and the impact
2: um, that you envision for this organization going forward? Yeah, so Women Who Code will continue to do what we be, do best in the world, which is community, uh, providing technical programming, uh, focusing on accessibility uh, with our programming. All of our um, our events are either free or scholarship accessible, and. What we are also really leaning in on, as Joey mentioned, is around leadership. Um, since women are often promoted based on their um, their experience, whereas men are often promoted based on their potential, that first level of leadership um, creates a big gap uh, in uh, gender representation. And so what we really look to do over the next five years is, give space for women to practice leadership, to overcome uh, this bias that exists for them so that we can see that gap start to close and see more women make it into that first level of leadership and continue to excel throughout their careers.
1: Yeah, and that work is so incredibly important. You talk about um, representation in in the industry. Uh, And just watching that as, as we, you kind of rise through, through the industry in your career, you just see that representation fall off. And that is just compounded by intersectionality. Um, As you see diverse women um, entering their career, uh, you see a big drop off, right? As, as people rise and, and in terms of staying in the industry, And so um, I think continuing to inspire diverse women to excel in technology careers, continuing to push um, to support women to rise as technologists and leaders in this space uh, is just critical to doing that bigger work around closing the gap, right? Closing the gap in terms of um, inclusion, in terms of representation, in terms of uh, wage, all of the things that we know... um,
2: Can make this
1: industry even better and provide really
2: lucrative opportunities uh, for women around the world. Yeah, I think what you're bringing forward is so important, and it's leading me right into the next um, big piece that Women Who Code is going to be pushing forward uh, for celebrating our entire 10 years. And that's that we are um, going to be introducing a rebrand for Women Who Code. And the rebrand is it's, it's a refresh, but it's also just really leaning into our core and um, inclusion at the core is one of our core values. It's always been there, uh, but what we're going to be doing over the next 10 years is elevating our advocacy voice, because we know, and what we've seen over the past 10 years is that if you do not feel safe in your life, you cannot focus on your livelihood. And so bridging that, um, is going to be an important element of of Women Who Code's uh, voice and support over the next 10 years. Absolutely. And
1: in closing today, uh, what do you want folks to know? How can people get involved if they wanna support this
2: um, movement, if they wanna support this mission? Uh, what, What can people do? Yeah, so please visit us at womenwhocode.com. We have incredible programs. As I mentioned, all of our events are free or scholarship accessible, but we are celebrating 10 years, and we are celebrating it with our first ever major donation match. So Artblocks has offered to match the next $100,000 in donations to Women Who Code. We already have a commitment from one of the artists on Artblocks to help support this, uh, Steen Artblocks. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, it only costs $27 for us to provide free programming for an entire year for a Women Who Code member. So every $27 that you donate to Women Who Code helps us to be able to keep a woman in the tech industry, make it to more senior positions, help her to live leadership, to have inclusion at the core, and to focus on Women Who Code's vision of seeing Diverse women better represented as engineers and technology leaders.
1: Excellent. Thank you so much, Elena, for spending some time with me today, reminiscing about the last ten years. Uh, happy Teal Anniversary! Happy Teal Anniversary to you as well. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, and I look forward to seeing where the next ten years takes us. Yes. Um, take care, everyone. Take care.
0: For listening to the Women Who Code podcast. To find out more about our mission and the work we do across the tech industry, visit our website womenwhocode.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Women Who Code. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel with hundreds of hours of free educational videos. Just go to YouTube.com backslash women who code. Thanks again for listening and remember to subscribe, rate, and comment.